Welcome to the Writer Dojo with your hosts, Steve Diamond. It's alive. And Larry Korea. Let them fight. Today's episode, Monsters Round 3. Welcome, everybody. Back to the Writer Dojo. We're glad to have you back with us. How are you doing today, Larry? I'm doing awesome. We're talking about one of my favorite subjects. That's right. Paranormal romance. <laughs> Sexy mummies. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not. We're talking about actual monsters. Um, again, the third part of our trilogy. And this isn't a Bane trilogy. There's not going to be parts four and five yet. We'll do that later. That's a sequel trilogy. Um, totally different. So the first episode, we kind of covered some of the general stuff on monsters, why we like them. Second episode, we talked primarily about taking existing monsters and kind of moving them around, shifting some parts, integrating them in our fiction, using monsters from other cultures that exist. But what we haven't really truly touched on yet uh, is the idea of creating new monsters, new stuff from scratch. Yeah. And... So not based on existing historical... Not, not so much. Folklore or mythology. Now, the reason I bring this up is when when Jack asked the question on the Writer Dojo uh, Facebook page about all of the, you know, what questions do you have for the guys since we're, we're going to be recording and we're going to be doing monster stuff, about half of them had to do with um, basically the, you know, the tried and true tropes yep. of monsters. And the other half is stuff like, like this one. Should one try to create a unique and original monster for a story or lean toward established monster types that people are familiar with? So we, we, we've talked about when you can and should and, and kind of how you can use um, tried and true monsters. Mm-hmm. So... To answer the other half of this question, Larry, when do we want to use when unique do we monsters? want to use, when do we want to create a unique and original monster? Man, that's a good question. Okay, so I've used a lot of original monsters. Like just uh, a lot of, and even some of these, I actually even would borrow like a name from folklore, but it was something that there was almost nothing about anymore. Um, and then I would just kind of run with it, and it's like, what am I trying to create here? Like, what am I trying to accomplish? And the biggest thing is, I think that's the biggest question, right? Yeah. What are you trying to accomplish? Yeah, because if I have a specific story need that I can create a monster from scratch to fill, then that monster can do whatever I need it to do. That's right. Um, I can I can do whatever I want with that thing to like kind of fill in the gaps. Uh, so recently, I did Monster Hunter Bloodlines, and I wanted to do uh, a unique monster. I wanted to do something different. And there was a term in uh, folklore called a Drekovac, but basically just an avenging ghost. Okay. Uh, and there was like some stuff about uh, somebody who made a deal with the devil. Like, oh, that's a good Pretty standard. Story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, huh. And so I started thinking about like, what, what, what I do with that? And for those of you that read Bloodlines, man, I leaned into this hard. And so I wound up creating this creature that basically this like the 13, on any given time, amongst mankind the the devil keeps a running tally of the 13 most evil people and and, and who would be the best employees <laughs> and, and there's he, just, he has an employee of the month club yeah that's what this is this is satan's employee of the month club and so what it is is i uh had this guy who was basically uh he was a human being to start but he was a uh he was a puritan witch hunter um but did a lot of bad stuff a lot of bad stuff and basically struck a deal, and uh, he's still around to this day. And he's still hunting people because he enjoys it. And um, 
Well, what I did is, is I revealed his power slowly. Because what I did with the Drekovac is I decided that, you know, the whole 13 motif, I was going to go back to that again, that this guy had 13 uh, incarnations, mm-hmm. each one worse than the previous one. So when you first see the guy, he's kind of a ghostly, spectral, Solomon Kane looking dude, right? And But here's the thing, you kill him. It's like, you fight him, you kill him. Well, then a few minutes later, it's round two. And then that's worse. And then round three is worse. And then round four is worse. By the time you get to like rounds uh, 11, 12, 13, it is nuts. And the action sequences that enabled me to do with this one bad guy were completely deranged. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I was able to like go whole hog on whatever I needed because I created it from scratch. So anything I wanted to do for any particular action sequence in the book, and plus it's a building ramping up the action as I go, uh, ramping up the thread as I go. Plus the thing is you had to kill him 13 times in one night, you know, before, before the cock crows, before dawn, you got to kill him 13 times, which gets really wacky. And so, um, I mean, to get rid of him once and for all. And so, but the cool thing is because I'm starting from scratch for all 13 levels, every time I have another fight in the book, I could pull some new thing out of my- You get to make the rules. Exactly. So all of a sudden, if I want this guy to have spec- spectral animal companions, like a, like a hunting hawk to spy on people and dogs to run them down, he does. I give the dude a freaking lightning bolt launching blunderbuss at one point. Well, I mean, and, and I don't even he want was to, a Puritan witch hunter. I actually have a uh, I actually have a scene where it's a car chase. Well, he's keeping up. Dude's got a horse, <laughs> and it's not a normal horse. I mean, and this thing is insane. Like, this, like I, I went full heavy metal video oh. with this bad guy, yeah. right? Uh, but then it just gets worse and worse as the series goes on. But the, <laughs> it's basically just a music video to disturb the vengeful one. Oh, I love that song. It's such a good song. <laughs> That's basically what that video. It's a great song. <laughs> uh, and he is, he's a vengeful one. Actually, yeah. I listen to a lot of Disturbed while I write Monster Hunter. Yeah, um, but the thing is, yeah, so, but, but the beautiful thing is because I create, so this is one recurring bad guy for the whole book, but because I created this guy from scratch, I was able to set the rules. And if you can set the rules, then it's whatever you need for any given sequence, boom, yeah. you do the rules. I think that's the, I think that's the biggest straw to creating your own monster is you get to decide its function and its, in its form and its purpose, right? Um, I mean, Think about the movie The Thing. That's not a normal monster, right? No, fantastic it's, movie. It's just a weird, well, thing. Yeah, what, you know, it's, I don't even, can I even it's explain. It's a thing from it's outer space. blobby body taking over. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know? The whole point of it is the whole purpose of that monster within the confines of the movie, its purpose is to breed distrust. Yep. That's the whole point. The scene where they're testing the blood is one Dude, of the greatest scenes in a horror movie. Greatest history. Scenes. Yeah, fantastic. And it still holds up. Yep. Moves from the 80s. Yep. When they when they put the little hot, hot, <laughs> and it's like, oh, and then the guy starts to build, and you're oh, like, man. oh my gosh, that's such a good scene. It's great. Now, that movie would not have worked if it were just a vampire out, yeah. in, out in the Arctic. It would have been an entirely different story. It would have been a very different movie. With very different expectations and very different reactions from the characters. You know, you bring up The Thing, and I actually want to bring up another entirely different movie, but it does the same thing The Thing does, and it's a trick we can use in our writing. How many times can we say thing in one thing? Thing? thing the thing? thing, thing, oh. thing. Well, okay, the thing is, um, uh-huh. all right, Terminator 2. Yeah, sure. 
And, the, and what I'm going to say here is there's a scene where the liquid Terminator, we don't know really how this works yet, you know, this early in the movie, he's in the insane asylum, he's come to kill Sarah Connor, and he's on the other side of the bars, right? Mm-hmm. And then he smushes his body through the bars and the gun, get, the bread gets stuck and he has to like turn the bread to get the bread through. Up until that point, you didn't know this guy can do that. And there's that reveal moment. It was like, oh, oh geez, wait, what? Okay. That and the thing is a perfect example too, because every time the, you see the thing, it's slightly new, like a different thing happens. Yes. Like, so the movie doesn't waste a lot of time and you got the huskies in the, in the kennel and. Oh, you see, you the, see abject violence from the monster within the first 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. And so all of a sudden when the husky explodes and starts squirting tentacles everywhere, you're yeah. like, what? But then when you see it again, it's like, whoa, geez. And then it's like, and then again, it was like, what in the hell is going on here? But the same thing, but it's, it's an entirely different movie, but the, but the Terminator is another thing where it's like, when you have the, the threat and you've introduced the threat, this is your creation. You can do what you want. So you've established on the page, here is threat, here is monster. And, and the reader's like, okay, cool. I see this monster. And then you go along in the story and all of a sudden the monster does something that you're like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, it did what? Because now you have ramped up the threat, you have ramped up the tension and you were like, I, I don't understand what the heck is going on here. Well, and you don't know if that's where it stops now. Right. Now, every time you see it, you're like, wait, is, is there more in this bag of tricks? Like how deep does this bag of tricks go? What is this thing's capabilities? I, when... You know, and I, and I believe I used this example in the in the first episode uh, of the monster stuff when we were talking about um, you know servants of war. Oh, with the every with the every creature bird thing, every monster in that is new. Yeah, every every monster is is a creation in that in that in that book. Well, except for Baba Yaga, except for the Baba Yaga. But well, but she's not really a monster. No, uh, she's a benevolent. She's master, a totally benevolent goddess, part patron. Would never do anything bad to anybody. I mean, just look how she saved poor Larry. He's, she's so nice. She could have just left him to die in the woods. Yeah. So, the bird. The birds okay. are messed up. The bird, it's just a weird looking, terrible, awful bird. Yeah. Plops down. Kind of like, weird, pterodactyl looking monster like, bird. Yeah, I don't, I'm not feeling the warm fuzzies seeing this thing. Yeah. And the characters are like, yeah, that ain't right. But they don't, they don't realize how bad it is. Yeah, because what you did with those was so dang creative. Because, ladies and gentlemen, it ain't a bird. The bird's not the threat. No, it's no. the parasite creature thing that lives inside the bird wearing it as a floppy skin suit. Well, and the whole point of this of this scene, it was to do exactly what, what, we, were talking, what we were talking about earlier. Yep. And that's to give the characters a sense of, oh, they see the monster. Here it is. It's big. But I didn't want them... I wanted them to be surprised. These people are fairly competent. Well, they're tough. They've seen some stuff. They've they've seen all the things. um, And and Alarian is no slouch within his his giant power armored suit made out of the husks of other dead monsters, basically. (laughs) He's ready to go. And yet, as soon as that, you you know, he kills the one bird he thinks. And then spoilers for those of you who have not read this book yet. Shame on you. Um, you know, and then the other monster comes out of it. Yeah. And it's worse. And you made its beak open up three ways instead of two. Yeah. You know, just, just anything to cause a little yeah. bit more unsettling. 
That's a good thing. Honestly, that that when I got to that, because we had talked about there was flying monsters, but I was actually, I remember when we outlined, we were talking about like bats. Yeah. Because we had ravens as like a recurring thing, and so we were flying things. We were like, well, let's do another flying thing that was different, but bats. But when Steve started writing this, that wasn't horrific enough. No. And then we came up with the, the tentacle birds, and it was like, oh my gosh, dude, holy crap, that scene is nuts. But yeah, it was a perfect example. So capability, establish, twist that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden show what it can really do. Now don't don't go overboard with like um, you know, like like if if you if you give your monster some powers, make sure it makes some sense. Yes. Just don't pull like out whatever you want and now it can fly, now it no. can do laser whatever. Laser beams out of his eyes. Now it has laser beam mm-hmm. eyes. Especially if it has something that it had like a special power earlier or like it it would have used that special power earlier but it didn't for some reason. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, like say if your monster has the ability to like mind control, hypnotize people and it had a perfect opportunity to do evil earlier with that and it didn't. Yeah. Then people could be like, wait, why didn't it do that? You know, because you're now your monster doesn't make eternal logical consistent sense. You know, so, so on that, I want to ask a, I want to ask you a question then, um, that was in here. It says, how do you figure where the line is when describing a monster? So you give just enough. The monster oh, okay. is unique with enough detail to creep people out, but not so much that it lo- that it you know loses the horror and mystery and makes it you know blah 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 blah. blah. Right, it's the old Jaws question. Yes, you know, revealing the shark does revealing the shark make the shark not scary anymore? Yeah. Uh, you know where where is the line? And I think I think the line depends monster to monster, book to book. It is also what I'm trying to accomplish. So exactly. If I'm writing Monster Hunter. Even within that, like if I'm doing like and a straight it's up. It's a very different tone. It is. say something like what I write, right? You're writing horror. So if Steve, for you, like you, you're going to want to maintain menace longer. Yes. And not play, you're not going to like show your hand, mm-hmm. you know, because you need to maintain that fear and dread and uncertainty. If I'm writing Monster Hunter, a big part of the story is overcoming that fear and dread and uncertainty and going up and punching it in the face. Right. But that said, even in Monster Hunter, there's some stuff that I want to play those cards and keep them close to the vest and not show them. Like, for more, example... The more unique the monster, I feel like the longer I try to drag it out. I mean, it makes sense. You put all this work in to create this monster. Yeah. You you want to do that. I was going to say the Humboldt folk. Yeah, yeah. Probably the scariest single creatures in Monster Hunter you never see. Mm-hmm. And they're not even really, by the standards of the stuff that Monster Hunter International deals with, not that scary. But it's the way I portray them and the reason they've remained scary over all these books and people. I have probably once a month somebody on the fan page, what are the Humboldt folk... I never really established you don't much. You need to know that. Because, <laughs> and here's the thing, and uh, this is something that you need to realize. I just use the Frank slang. Classified. Classified. The thing about, I keep these creatures around because I want that level of menace. So anytime they go into swamp, they'll be like some monster and I'll make, hey, those don't live here, do they? No, I don't think so. But there's other places where they do, and they know they do, and they actually, so I've established, here's something, I, I don't, I haven't established anything about these creatures, except for a few vague descriptions, few vague hints about their behavior, which is disgusting and gross and scary. That's basically my answer to the, all the mutant radioactive hill folk movies, right? Yeah, Only this is magical in nature. Yeah, it's our town from X-Files. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's, it's exactly, but glowy. Yeah. <laughs> and scary as shit. Also, scary as heck. But I've established some stuff about them, but not enough for it to give it away. Because if you explain them... They're not scary anymore. It loses the mystery. Okay, so for example, when I was working with John Ringo, John Ringo wanted to use those as the introduction for one of his characters, like how they got into monster hunting. That's fine, you can leave that, but he actually stopped and explained them. 
Oh, no. And I actually edited that out for very specifically for this reason. You know, he came up with a good logical thing, and it was cool, and it was interesting. And actually, for the point of view character that's telling that story, being a real analytical dude who doesn't scare at all, him giving like an academic uh, uh, discussion about these creatures made sense. Made sense. But the thing is, I can't, I can't have that because what happens is that removes the mystery, and so I can't use them anymore. Once I've defined them and their capabilities, I've removed the mystery. So that bag of tricks we were talking about earlier, where all of a sudden the thing does something new, or the liquid Terminator walks through the mm-hmm. bars, the, I've lost that. Yeah, the bird opens its weird beak. and Bird tentacles, tentacles come, come squirting out of the bird. All of a sudden, you've lost that. If you yeah. say, if, if you explain, if we ever stopped and explained exactly what the bird thing was, bird thing doesn't really scare you anymore. Now, if you're writing an action thing where they got to go kill all the bird things, then hey, that works. It's different. So, so you know, in in book two, okay, in what we're tentatively calling instruments of violence, if if the characters, uh, the main characters who were present while in their their walkabout through hell, if they see the bird things again, they're going to be scared, but for different reasons. You know what I mean? They're they're going to be like, oh crap, screw this. Yeah. Like those things are awful. Plus they've also learned some tricks because they survived the first encounter. That's right. So they know one of its vulnerabilities. Exactly. So it becomes a different sort of scene. Yeah. Whereas within that same scene, it's, uh, it, it's maybe a paragraph. We, we mentioned that there's these things off in the dark, off in the fog. Watching. Just watching. Yep. And they're just tall, thin things. The old races. And that's all we say. All, and the only other description we ever saw is we see at one point their footprints and they have pointy toes. Yeah. They have pointy boots. That's it. That's all we've said. And so we get to do whatever we want mm-hmm. with those. Yep. You know, but we're not going to like introduce to one of your earlier points. We're not going to introduce the bird things again. And all of a sudden now that the tentacle monsters have tentacle monsters or, or crows within their, I don't know, you know, we've kind of. We established a set of rules for that monster, and we've held to it. Well, one of the things that worked on that, too, is we established a scary monster of unknown capabilities, and it immediately starts immobilizing and taking out a giant, powerful suit of power armor. That's way more powerful in that specific scene because of of where it's at. We've repeatedly demonstrated that this thing is a butt-kicking machine, right? Yeah. So this tentacle thing immobilizes it, right? And and it's barfing up out of all these birds. Yeah. But the thing is, then we have a moment of great heroism because his crew comes to save him. Well, spoiler, man, there's so many spoilers here. But one of the characters fights this thing with a shovel. Yeah. So if you have a creature, if you want to establish some heroism and you got a thing of, of absolute terror and you've just established it's, it's, it's immobilizing a suit of power armor and this dude goes up and fights it with a shovel? Not, o- not only is the creature still terrible, horrible, and horrific... And and you know that your characters are at a massive disadvantage, but by putting it in that stakes and the characters do it anyway, oh man, yeah, dude, that gives you that gives you the good shivers. Oh yeah, as opposed to the icky shivers from a moment earlier. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a it's a good flip side of the coin. All right. On that note, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna keep talking about this because this is awesome. We'll be right back. A young wizard's apprentice sent on a perilous mission. A band of mercenaries paid a fortune in gold to protect him. Their mission? Deliver a secret artifact to a king halfway across the world. And from the outset, they are being hunted. 
Herman P. Hunter presents The Wizard's Stone. Available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, the Apple Store, and more. Buy it today. All right, we're back. Uh, in the break, we managed to create like a dozen new monsters for uh, for the sequel, The Servants of War. Uh, not, not actually. Um, that'll happen when I actually start writing the draft. Um, all right, next question. In fiction, does the monster's strength absolutely have to riff off of the protagonist's weakness? Or can an overwhelmingly powerful big bad monster be just that? An, over, an overwhelmingly big bad monster. I think the answer is yes to both. Yeah, I think... I it, think you can do whatever you want. Yeah, I think it depends. Like, the whole... the whole uh, That's one of those, like, um, rules of writing I see pop up every now and then when they say the monster has to represent the, the dark side to the hero's light or whatever. Nah. I don't think so. I, I think... I think it can. I think it can. And, and I think that when you do that, you're telling a much more personal story. Yeah. For example, Werewolf Cop. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the stories that I have outlined, uh, and yes, I actually have a little bit of an outline for it, Shocker, um, is, is him dealing with someone who literally goes out and his entire thing is wanting to kill werewolves. It's a monster that, and, and he knows, so he knows all the weaknesses. So he literally preys on the main character's weakness. So, it, but it, again, it's a detective story. And when you think of detective stories, we think of Bosch or, you know, any Chandler stories or Sam Spade or anything like that. The villains are, or in Batman and Joker, the villains are the monster, so to speak is oftentimes the flip side of the same coin as your protagonist. Yeah, it can work. It can be done really well. Oh, yeah, and, and it happens Absolutely. all the time. But does it have to be? Absolutely no. not. No. Um, that's an interesting one, too, especially when you're creating a unique monster. You really can do that. And it's also, but it, th- that is a valid point, and it's such a such a visceral trope. It's one reason horror movies, because keep in mind, guys, I've watched thousands of horror yeah. movies, right? Like, I'm not even joking. I've you watched, watched, you've watched way more than I have. I've watched... You watched them all. I, sp- I watch all the... I seek out all the cheap, low-budget ones. And That's uh, why you have a subscription to Shiver. Shudder, yeah. Shudder. I, I, I do actually have a subscription to Shudder. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Amazon and, and Netflix and uh, all of them, basically. Yeah. And, and mostly what do I watch all those? Horror movies. Yeah. But you think about it. So you, how many movies are there where it's a monster movie or a slasher movie or some sort of vile, evil, demonic, or otherwise horrible, it could be supernatural or not, monster... And the hero is the the final girl archetype. Mm-hmm. Why does that work? Because the final girl is the opposite. Yes. So she's the innocent. She's the good. She's the happy. She's the light. On the other side is the dark, evil, scary, bad. I mean, it's pretty ham-fisted in a lot of, like, like the more clumsy the movie is, the more ham-fisted this is. It's like, it's like the girl represents good and yeah. purity and niceness. Sure. But, sunshine, but, but so much, but so much monster fiction is ingrained within the the opposition of those two tropes of that exactly. trope, right? The 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 good versus bad theoretically. Yeah, and then you, but the thing is, though, you can riff off that and go all sorts of different ways, all over the place. all sorts. One, uh, there's a movie, and I wish I could remember its name because I actually really enjoyed it, and uh, I can't remember anything about it. Let me describe it. I'm sure one of my somebody in the comments, yeah. Well, know this movie. There's a movie where it starts out, and you think it's one of those like angry hillbilly movies where they kidnap motorists off the road and they're going to torture them. So they kidnap this dude and and his wife. Well, you think it's his wife, and they and they tie him. They tie him up, and they're going to torture the dude. They're going to torture the girl. 
and then they go to, and then the girl just kills herself. As soon as she, as soon as the rednecks give her a chance, she, she's like, he's going to kill you all. And she kills herself. And then it goes back to the dude who they, you thought was the husband. Oh no, he's not. Uh-huh. He's not. And then they, they open up the trunk of the car they stole, the rednecks, and there's another girl tied up in the trunk of the car. Uh-huh. And then, because what it turns out is this kill, these, this clan of killer hillbillies uh, kidnapped this guy who they thought was just, you know, random dude. Oh no. Oh no. This dude is like the monster serial killer from all the monster serial killer movies. Yeah. Only a gang of angry rednecks kidnapped him and now he just goes to town. And it is insane. And I wish I could remember the name of it or who was in it, but mm. I watched it. I haven't seen that one. And it was legit, actually kind of brilliant. Uh, and, and I'm sure someone will say in the comments what it is, and I'll feel dumb because I can't remember the name. Had, it had a generic name. The name didn't work for the movie. But um, that was one of those capabilities. So not, not supernatural, not creature. No, it was just a human being. But this dude was hiding inside a fat redneck. He would murder a fat redneck and hide inside the body. Okay, this dude is nuts. <laughs> it's fantastic. But it goes back to like the whole capability thing and the switching it up and like not being what you see. That was one of those where the the whole um, dichotomy thing was just nuts because most of the victims were bad people being victimized by someone who was so incomprehensibly worse. And so that can be done too. Yeah. Uh, But even then they did actually have the original girl from the trunk was a good girl. But, you know, you can do this with monsters. It's so kind of cool that the sky is the limit. You can also flip it too where the monster is... Uh, uh, not what you expect, you know, like it sets it up and it, it, you, you see this a lot with like sci-fi movies, uh, where like the aliens will look one way and you think you're going to get this kind of behavior out of the alien and you get something different. That's kind of fun. Um, I, I've seen it done well and I've seen it done poorly. So honestly, I don't, I don't really know if there's a, a good answer for that one. I think you could do both. It just depends on the kind of story. More, yeah. I, you know, I, I think... You know, going back to like originally created monsters um, and and stuff like, okay, I'll use Servants of War again. Well, yeah, it's a great book. Okay, the opening the <laughs> opening scene. Okay, so this isn't exactly a spoiler because it's literally like page three. Well, we just told them something from the finale. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, this monster comes out from this kind of sort of interdimensional gate, more or less. And goes on a killing rampage around dude's dude's town. Kills yep. everything. And two things happen in this scene that are really cool. One, this this weird cat creature monster thing, it has nothing to do with being the opposite of the character's strengths and weaknesses. No. Because he's a dude and it's a weird cat thing with like yeah. like like scorpion armor. Yeah, it, 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 there's not there's no dichotomy. There's there. not a dichotomy. It's just it's a weird, foreign, awful creature of nightmare. Yeah, he's not the opposite of it. In fact, he's a tough kid from the forest. You know, yeah. he's dealt with bears and wolves and mm-hmm. grew up on you know on the tundra and the forest. It's, it's a perversion of the things that he's normally seen. Yeah, it's actually not that because in fact, when he sees the track, his first thought is bear, bear. and then he's like, "Wait a minute, that's a cat track. We we but don't it's have huge. There's no cats this big here. Mm-hmm. What is going? And the, so, so it's not that." You know, there's no, there's no flip side of the coin. Exactly. It's just it's a thing. It's, it's, it's bad. It's awful. And it's terrible. And, and you know, it kills everything. And then you hear there's more of them. They kill everything. You don't see hardly any of this. It just happens. Cause we're, we're limited to perspective. That's actually a good point about monsters too, is perspective. Perspective is going to be, we'll yeah, talk about that that's here where you're in just going. a sec. But the, first of all, the perspective one 
the main character is going to see a monster or your main, your POV of that scene is going to see the monster in one way. That's not a guarantee that, that your POV character, that a different POV character will see the same thing as, as another character. Mm-hmm. And so that gives you opportunity, especially with a created monster to show different aspects of it for, for the characters to notice different, um, whether we're talking about weaknesses potentially to exploit or, different things that make you know uh one guy go oh no oh no 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 we're out of here right and their person's like what i don't see what the problem is now in this but but to to, to the point of the question does it have to be you know a representative of the offsetting weaknesses or whatever this has these monsters have nothing to do with that yeah and yet we still do take the tactic where it murdering everybody around town is not the scariest thing that it did. No. Because what happens, Larry? Main character goes in, he sees his dead fiance, you know, dead dead family, dead mom, like everyone's dead. And then he goes up to a crib and you expect to see the same thing, except that's the only place where there isn't violence. Every crib in town is empty. All the kids are missing. And, and for whatever, and when you read that, the absence of something well, is far the, creepier. There's also the foot, the pointy toed, the pointy and, boot footprints. And there's pointy toed boot, boot, boot prints in other scenes. And so my point here is with created monsters, you get to prey on people's imaginations. Yeah. Much, much more than you do with monsters that where the rules are already kind of established for you. Yeah, you have you have you have more given expectations for an established monster because once yeah. you say this is that kind of this is a werewolf book, it's this a werewolf. is a vampire it's like, book. Okay, well, zombie and I book. know this this and this more or less. And then you can subvert expectations, do something unexpected, but the more you do that, the less it is the creature it is and the more mm-hmm. you're going to offend the purist. Mm-hmm. Now, on the on on the point of view thing, which you touched down, I think this is super important. And this is a this is a unique monster to that franchise. It was a, it was a, but I, one of my favorite movies ever. But we talk about point of view difference. Alien, aliens. Yeah. Prometheus. Oh, oh here, let, let me. Here's where I'm going on this. Oh. And I, I'm going to say, put this on your writing. Okay. Alien, alien, 1979. We have the monster, and we see it for the first time. It jumps on a dude's face, face hugs him. Later, we got the chest burster. Then it grows up and turns into a horrific monster. We have it, and it's a horror movie. Point of view characters don't know what the heck's going on. No. Ripley's a survivor. It's it's terrifying in every form that it takes. And the thing is, there's not really a dichotomy thing there because Ripley's just Ripley. And she's she's a human dock worker, basically. She, she's yeah. a roughneck. This has nothing to do with the opposite of her. Versus a completely alien thing with a bizarre, bizarre life cycle terrifying weirdness is going on horror movie right but the end i mean she fights aliens okay now it's space marines it's colonial marines with ripley who is a survivor now and it's insinuated that for the marines this is not their first rodeo this is not their first bug hunt yeah they've done this before they've seen other things and it's different because now the to- the entire tone of the movie is different. Tone of the movie is different, with the exception, and and I've brought this up before, with the exception of the locked laboratory scene with her and Newt. Oh yeah, that's definitely horrible. That's right? very. Yeah. That's very. That scene is alien with the two face huggers. Yes. Yep. But the rest of the movie 
is a very it's a radically different yep. it's a radically different tone. But it's interesting though because remember I was talking about like like reveal change. Yeah. Reveal change. Alien face hugger, what the crap? Chest burster. Oh my <laughs> gosh. And it just keeps getting weirder. But then when it's an actually alien stalking the ship and killing everybody, it's like, wow, we've gone you know, because each time you see the creature, you got new capabilities. And the next one is the same thing. Creature, new capabilities only now. There's more. And you see them hunt, pack hunting. We get to see what they do to a colony of people. So there's a whole review with all the bodies stuck to the walls, the weird catacombs thing. They're, they're actually colonizing this planet, making yep. a nest. And then there's the queen, yep. which is the ultimate, like, oh my gosh. And so you got this freaking Tyrannosaurus Rex-sized thing at the end. You're fighting with a giant loader robot. But like what I say, cool reveal twist, and it's, it's building on what came before and then throwing a new thing at you to freak mm-hmm. you out. You can do that with your creatures too. Well, even, mean, I would, I would, and I would even take it one small step forward and talk about Alien 3, which is a better movie okay. than most people say, with uh, the exception of the beginning. Yeah, okay, so here's the thing. The beginning is it's why stupid. everybody hates that movie because it throws away the previous movie. It does. And that's, that's offensive. But aside from that, aside from that world-breaking thing, um, the actual movie and the beats of the movie after that are actually pretty decent. Well, plus they had a quadrupedal, uh, they had a quadruped. And again, that's that's the next weird little twist where you're mm-hmm. like, oh, so it, you're like, oh, so it takes the shape of whatever it takes yep. over. And this, that's, that's interesting. Cool. That's interesting. And, and Alien 3 is worth it just because of that aspect. Alien 4 didn't do that Alien good. 4 doesn't exist. Yeah. The only, the only thing Alien 4 was good for is Proto Firefly. Soda. It was it was like practice run. I for did Firefly. like the CG scene of the of the okay. of the alien. The swimming. one good that scene was, cool. was the swimming alien because we had ever seen cool. one aquatic. Yeah, that was that cool. was cool. Yeah. That was neat. Everything else was stupid. No, was dumb. But but there was some twist in that. But it just didn't, they were dumb. But now, as I say, Prometheus, uh. which you've heard me and Steve go off on before, Prometheus took that earlier cool stuff, and and but did they twist it? Well, it tried Sorta. to. Sorta. So this is the other side about the, the show, reveal, show, reveal. This is where you do that wrong. Okay, so earlier, like I said, it was super effective how it would it would build up the creature. This, it took the creature we already know and love, and it just kind of like dissected it to how we got to the creature. Yeah, it's almost like it tried to, to reveal de- the de-evolution. Yeah, so it was like a deconstruction instead. Yeah. And so you start off with like ooze and cobra cobra snakes and then fighting monster zombies. It made no freaking sense. And then and then and then and then a, a, a combative squid creature that's about the size of a Ford Focus and it face hugs a guy who then gives then has then then an alien comes out at the end. Okay, that was like, and everybody's just like scratching our heads. And that, dude, that movie was had so much money, and it had Idris Elba in it. It should have been amazing. <laughs> well, okay. it's, it's a visually striking movie. Like it, the movie is beautiful. Yeah, it's stunning, but it's dumb as heck. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I know books like that too. But yeah. I'm, so, so I don't want to. I don't like like wail on this movie again because we've done it. And the the best movie review ever. Go on my blog, <laughs> Idris Elba's Captain's Log. Greatest movie review ever. Yes, it is. Read that. Um, it'll de- deconstruct this movie the way it deconstructed all your previous Alien movies that you loved. Deconstructed your childhood. No, but here's the thing. It's a great example of 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 how to. Re- so the earlier ones are fantastic textbook case. How to reveal a monster. Oh, I got a great one. And in fact, I used it for the quote for the last thing, and I forgot to talk about this as a monster. I watched Puss in Boots recently. 
Okay. The Last Witch. Okay. Right. Kids movie. I expected, I thought it was going to be dumb. It's a Shrek movie, Shre- Shrek expanded universe movie. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, this is going to be stupid. I'm watching it with my son, my, my younger son. And you know what? Holy crap. It's actually legit good. And, and I don't want to dwell on the rest of the plot, but it's actually kind of like questioning your mortality is mm-hmm. what the movie's about. And living your best life is really, it's, it's a deeper movie than you'd think for a movie about a cartoon sword fighting cat. But the bad guy, the monster in this movie is a Monster Hunter International level villain. Like, have you seen it yet? No, I have not. Okay, watch it. I don't want to give away too many spoilers because it's a new movie. But the quote that I used uh, last episode is from us, and it's actually fantastic. But it's also a perfect example of what I talk about. They created a bad guy. You don't know the bad guy's capabilities. You see the bad guy, and when they introduce the bad guy, and, and Steve, when you watch this, you, you, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. They introduce the bad guy. They give him some cool features. Actually, they make him whistle. He's got a whistle. Like his theme is a whistle. So when you first see him, it's almost like a Western whistle, right? Mm-hmm. And also the voice actor is the guy that played Pablo Escobar in Narcos. That just got you banned. I know. I got me banned on Facebook. I actually reviewed this movie and said that and Facebook banned me for that. How dare you? I know, right? Because apparently you can't see Pablo Escobar on <laughs> Facebook. No. I, I don't even know. Never again. But anyways, they reveal the, the creature. But you don't know what his capabilities are. But then there's a surprise test. All of a sudden, and then you see the first of the capabilities. And you're like, whoa, holy crap. Then you come back and you run into him again. The next time you run into him, he reveals more capabilities. And you're like, whoa, this dude is scary. And plus, once again, recurring theme, recurring vibe. Then the next time you see him, you get what he really is. And what he's really capable of. And all of a sudden, this little cute kids movie, you're like, I'm watching this and I'm like, dude, like hair on my arms. I'm like, man, I wish I wish I would have wrote that. Mm-hmm. Like straight up, I wish I would have wrote that. And I do not write kids stuff. You know what I mean? It was that good. But it was it was reveal, capability, reveal, capability. Boom. You got yourself a memorable, memorable monster. He's not really a monster because everything in this is a talking animal. You know, that's not exactly unique. Memorable villain, antagonist. Yeah, sure. Which in this case is a creature. Yeah. Well, and you know, we see that in all these things. I mean, we, we, we talk about that or we talk about aliens um, as created creatures. And, and I know there's someone out there that's going to be like, oh, the, those aren't created creatures. Those are in the public consciousness now. I'm like, yeah, but they weren't then. No, not when I was, when I first saw, when I first saw those, they weren't mine. And you know what? You, you know that, that, a, uh, that a cool, unique creature is awesome. When people spend the next forty years trying to recreate it again, yeah, you know, there. I'm I want to. I'm the first to admit, like, I'm trying every way possible to figure out a way where I can create, like, totally not alien. The next big monster. Yeah, think about that because we have certain monsters that are like in our in our consciousness because because they're that they they just struck. We talked about Godzilla earlier. Godzilla. Godzilla from the 50s, or 1954. Boom. Once again, because that's when I said Tokyo Raider. I know yeah. every, every, the year of all these. King Kong. King Kong, 1930, 1934. It's, it's, it's a thing that like, uh, somebody created something so iconic that it enters the public culture. How cool would that be to be the writer that you come up with the next monster? Oh. That's like the one that grabs the- insane. Po- yeah. I mean, and remember, even, even the creator of the Xenomorph tried to do it to himself. Geiger did, right? He, cre- you know, he, he effectively creates it. He basically creates alien, right? The, the visual concept of it. And then he tries to do it again, uh, with species. Oh yeah. 
and and he thinks he says you know before he died of course he he said he's like oh yeah that's that's a way better monster bro was wrong yeah for real like that's a cheesy movie and you know it, it's it's hard right it, it none of what we're talking about is easy now to be um, fair Natasha Henstridge is way hotter than the xenomorph well yeah to be fair to be I fair. mean yeah <laughs> yeah there's a there's a whole different discussion yeah yeah so I uh, guess I guess it depends on what you're shooting for here but better better monster no no absolutely not but you know people are people are always creating monsters we're always doing I mean you're doing it I'm doing it almost on a daily basis effectively in some fashion we're trying to create the next a next big monster that we can put into our fiction that stirs these same emotions that stirs these same um, you know whether it's it shivers or grins or, or whatever um, or like you know uh, in the thing again to go back to, to that example the the scene where they're examining the body they kind of light it on fire whatever the thing's head comes off, falls to the ground, sprouts oh, legs, gosh. runs away. And that and, scene. And the characters, the characters turn around and they basically swear. There's like, oh my gosh. And and you as the audience member, your response to it is identical yeah. to what they're experiencing. Dude, I And so if you can if you can elicit something by creating a monster then then it's like oh okay so every time i create a monster larry my goal is always can can i get someone to have like a reaction like those characters that did level the thing? Re- yeah can i because dude i watched that movie 30, now 30 years ago and it's still like first time i saw that movie 30 years ago and i'm still like oh i get jenny yeah. and i jenny and i watched it like six months ago yeah because she'd never seen it and so I introduced my oldest son to it a couple of years ago and blew his mind. Dude, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And you know, we watch it and it still holds up it, you know, it, there's, there's something to be said about practical effects and how they work. So much better. But now me as a writer and, and for all of you writers out there listening, look, my goal is always when I create a monster, it's to, it's to have that reaction. That's the whole point. All our effects of, are, of, all our effects are practical. Yeah. Right in your imagination. That's right. Um, but you know, my whole goal is always to to try to have the readers feel that same reaction. Sometimes it succeeds, sometimes it doesn't. But the whole point of creating a new monster, something original, is because you get to determine one its rules, and you get to put it in the moment where you can try to maximize the reveal or maximize the creep factor where you might not be able to get the same sort of elicit the same sort of reaction or emotion. If you're using a, you know, a run of the mill werewolf or run of the will run of the mill zombie, right? Like that's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, if you're going to create one from scratch, have a reason for it. If you're going to, if you want to use a monster that's an existing off the shelf monster, if it fits, go for it. But if you want to like create something unique and distinct, by all means, nothing's stopping you. It's pretty awesome. No, I mean, gosh, that's uh, that's primarily where I live, right? Is creating new monsters. Yeah, I love doing that. I just love doing that. Absolutely. All right, that's all the time we have for you today. We hope that you've enjoyed our uh, our conversations on monsters. And they go uh, a lot better when I don't have to leave in a hurry because I'm worried I'm going to get stuck in a snowstorm. This is true. This is true. Um, that would be bad. But uh, today it's sunny. It's definitely not warm, but it's definitely sunny outside. 
Oh, um, it's like 10 degrees. It's oh, yeah. fine. It's a balmy 10. But uh, thank you again for listening, and uh, we appreciate all your questions on this. Uh, in the future, if we ever are going to do kind of a you know a one, two, three part sort of sort of story story uh, episodic thing, uh, we'll probably do something similar to this because I, I like how this worked out. Yeah, having a bunch of questions, kind of. Nice. Yeah, it was nice. Um, we kind of give you the introduction, and then you get to see how that goes. So. If you have any questions, if you, or if you have any topic suggestions that kind of fit the mold of what we just did here, or kind of what we did with our our action podcast at the start of the previous well, season, well, we're actually we know. collect um, we collect a bunch of questions from our supporters. Just do. email the um, all the supporters have the email. I can't remember what it is. I think it's just questions at riderdojo.com. Yeah, and so if you're a supporter, uh, Jack gets those to us, and we will producer Jack gets those to us, and we'll go through all those. And we every 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 five or six episodes, we do a Q&A where we yeah. answer all you guys' questions yep. for our supporters. And, and so if you, know, if you we, have any questions we on whatever, yeah, we, we, we appreciate all of our supporters. You guys are awesome. Um, you know, Thank you so much for, for, for sticking with us and, and through our rambliness. Um, but also, hey, look, you know, whatever questions you have, send them in. And if you, if you guys have any like big broad type questions where you're like, Hey, I'd like you guys to tackle this long form over a few episodes. Hey, let us know. We'll, we'll game it out. So again, thank you guys so much. This is the writer dojo and we'll see you on the next one. Writer dojo is Steve diamond and Larry Korea produced by Jack Wilder and bear and hair studios. Theme song word mercenaries by Craig Nibo. New episodes come out every Wednesday, wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writerdojo, by leaving a five-star rating and review, and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on the Writer Dojo, email ads at writerdojo.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. So misunderstood. So misunderstood. Many of us are so sexy.